Hello, and welcome to On The Marie Curie Couch, the podcast that aims to break down taboos and start open, honest conversations about death and dying. I'm Jason Davidson. I'm a social worker by profession, and I've worked in palliative care, hospice care, and bereavement support services for more than a decade. Each episode, we'll be speaking to a well-known guest to find out about how they feel about their own mortality and how their personal experience of bereavement has shaped the way they live their life. Today, I'm on the Marie Curie couch with Fleur East. Born in London, Fleur's a singer who rose to fame in 2014 when she wowed the judges and public alike with her performances on The X Factor finishing in second place. Since then, she's worked as a singer-songwriter and radio presenter and currently hosts The Breakfast Show on a hits radio. Fleur's released two studio albums and was runner-up on Strictly Come Dancing in 2022, achieving a perfect score of 40 for her Beyonce-inspired couple's choice dance in Blackpool. Fleur lives in London with her husband, Marcel. Well, Fleur East, welcome to the Marie Curie Couch. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Excited to be talking to you today. Good, good. One of the aims of our podcast is to encourage conversations around death and dying and particularly bereavement and grief. What we know is from people who listen to the podcast is that hearing other people's experiences can bring comfort and feel supportive. So can I start by asking if you can tell me about a significant bereavement you've experienced for in your life? So for me, it was my father who passed away in 2020, March 2020, just before the first official lockdown and the pandemic. And it was very sudden. He had a cardiac arrest in the night in his sleep completely out of nowhere no preparation there were no signs of anything really significant to do with his health or anything that we should be worried about I was even talking to him just before he'd gone to bed that night so it was a complete shock and yeah it's only been three years since we lost him and um, I mean it's just life has just never really been the same without him I think it's taken me and my sister quite a while to accept that he's not here anymore I think even going through significant milestones like birthdays and just even me as a performer like doing any kind of jobs performing anywhere releasing music all of the things that my dad would be there to experience with me have been really hard to get through for the first time without him and um Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that you hear from a lot of people um, that have lost parents or anyone close to them and you you never really think it's going to be you. You kind of foolishly think, oh, that's really sad that that happened to that person. But, you know, that's not me and that's really just not. You don't even comprehend that that's ever going to happen to you until it does. And then you're like, wow, okay, this is what this feels like. And it's, it's a pain that you can't really explain or describe, I don't think. What do you recall about those hours and days after your dad died? I remember just 
kind of being in I don't know a state of like delusion I guess like I didn't really believe that it had actually happened that he wasn't there anymore just wasn't even registering even the moment when because we had paramedics come to our house and they were trying to resuscitate my dad and I remember the paramedics saying to me you know there's nothing we can do now you know this is it you know if even if we take your father to the hospital there's nothing we can do and I was sort of going so what do you mean I don't get it and she was literally looking at me and going well usually after 10 minutes of resuscitation we would pronounce it as a death and we've been here for half an hour and I was going okay I don't understand what you're telling me even in those moments nothing was sinking in until she literally had to spell it out for me I guess um and then yeah the days after that yeah complete shock and denial I think for about a week to be honest with you um but I then had the reality check because I was one of the executors of my dad's will so having to then deal with all of the particulars and paperwork and you know his assets and things like that that made it very real for me but until that point no I was I was completely in denial so he'd done a will mm-hmm. and he'd made some preparations himself by the sounds of it and can I ask did you know what he wanted for his funeral or did the family had those conversations ever taken place no we never had those conversations um he was very organized in the sense that yes he had a will and it was almost quite funny looking through his things and finding a book with every single password for every single account he had um pin codes for bank accounts that everything was in one place and it was almost like there were moments where we were going, wow, thanks, dad. Like you've made this really simple and really easy. Um, but in terms of no funeral arrangements, we'd never really spoken about that. We didn't really know what he wanted. We'd never prepared for anything like that. And as well, because it was during the pandemic, we couldn't have a proper funeral. And we had to have quite a small intimate one of just, I think, eight of us were there my father's siblings couldn't all be there because there were some that lived outside of London so they couldn't even get to us we didn't even get to see them until after the pandemic we couldn't even hug or kiss each other at the funeral because we weren't allowed to come into contact with each other we couldn't even have a wake after the funeral because we weren't allowed to gather so there were many things that were very unusual at that time for us how was all of that for you well, for you and the family? It was very difficult because we couldn't comfort each other in the way that, that you naturally, instinctively would. Like, you know, you, you want to be around your loved ones. You want to hug each other. You want to comfort each other. And we couldn't do any of that. And I think it was really sad that my dad's sisters couldn't be there because they literally couldn't experience anything. They couldn't be there for me and my sister. They couldn't grieve with us. It was very detached. And there was a huge disconnect in that way. Um, So that was very difficult. But in terms of grieving, I think in a lot of ways, and this might sound weird, but it was sort of a blessing in a way that we didn't have to face everybody all at once. 
immediately after my dad had passed away we didn't have to have the huge funeral with everyone coming up to us and asking us how we were and we didn't have people visiting us you know the week after he died and having to rehash everything and you know explain everything over and over again we sort of didn't have that experience which in some ways I'm grateful for because I got to process it all on my own and and with my sister and my immediate family I didn't have to deal with all of the emotions all at once I got to break it down in that way so I mean in, in some ways we look back now me and my sister and we're sort of grateful that it did happen when it did so that you could have I suppose a bit more time a bit more peace mm. for want of a better word to begin processing think about what was happening do you know I, I was struck there when um and I'd not really thought about this but um but your dad's sisters mm. so that thing about because his death was so sudden and unexpected and shocking one of the things we do know is in deaths where they've been sudden and they're shocking and it's difficult for anybody to get their head around a death but I think it's particularly in those situations some of the things that can make it feel real is by attending the funeral and being part of those yeah. things and being with others and having them conversations so I think it's a kind of double whammy isn't it really I think you know for all of you um but just in that what's going on and what's happened and how real is this because I'm not getting a sense of it I can't go to the funeral I can't see mm, it mm, exactly and I think there were so many stages of the grieving process that his siblings couldn't even experience because they couldn't actually physically be there and go through it and yeah it was very very difficult in that sense and to deal with those things but I think nothing can really prepare you for for anything like that and I was grateful for that peace and for that respite that we had and for that time to just deal with it personally and in a weird way it sounds odd but when you're going through something like this it's so big in your world that you can't comprehend anyone else living life like it's like I remember even like the next day hearing people laugh outside my window and I remember thinking how dare you like how are you even laughing right now how are you experiencing happiness when I'm going through something so horrible and when the pandemic happened and everyone had to be locked down in their homes it was almost like everyone was grieving with me that's what it felt like it was like yeah the world has stopped and yeah everyone should take time and everyone should be in their homes and how dare anyone go to work and even live life like my father's passed away that's what it felt like so then it was even harder in a way coming out of the pandemic when everyone started to go back to normal life because then I then had even more reality checks because it was oh going to work for the first time without my dad being here walking on the street for the first time or seeing people that I knew in my life for the first time and having to tell them that my dad wasn't here anymore or having to explain what had happened or how I felt. I didn't have to do any of those things for such a long time that when we came back into the normal world, that was really weird, really weird to deal with. You know that that was going to happen Were you dreading it or did just happen and then hit you? Yeah, I was kind of dreading it because there were so many people that I hadn't spoken to or I hadn't communicated with after my dad had passed away and I, 
I really didn't want those moments to happen where, for example, you just bump into someone, you know, and they go, oh my gosh, how's your dad? How is he? Like that question, I didn't want that to happen. And that happened and I had to deal with that. And it was very awkward and it was very uncomfortable and it was quite painful. So those moments were very, very difficult. And I was, I was dreading them. I wasn't looking forward to them. For people listening, I think there's, you know, lots about what you're saying will, will ring true. I think certainly that, um, you know, everybody I've spoken to, not just on this podcast since we've been doing the podcast for the last three years, but also in my work, in my work in hospice care, our work in Marie Curie and bereavement support, talk about that feeling of when your world stops, it's the sort of strangest thing to see and hear life still going on outside mm. your window or outside of your home and um you know I think that can last a while for people as well some people talk about being almost in a kind of robotic state mm. for those kind of you know days weeks and months afterwards as well and someone we were talking to on the podcast recently was describing kind of almost being um, wrapped in cotton wool and not in a protective way but in like a muffled sound way. Mm you know, mm. kind of over their ears. And I was just thinking also that um, those conversations with others bumping into people on the street, not wanting to have it. It's like, how am I feeling today? Am I resilient enough to have this conversation? Yeah. And I don't want to see anybody. And the likelihood is if they do know, they might be feeling the same as well. You know, we hear about some people, friends, neighbours, people who you've always known, seeing you on the street and, you know, their heart's sinking because they're just like, oh, what am I going to say? Because they yeah. know, and they've got that dread as well. Well, um, is there anything that was helpful, do you think, that people said? Or was there anything that helped you in those situations for people listening? It's interesting because you never really know what to say. Mm. Um, I remember me and my sister immediately saying, you know, we don't want this to affect us in a negative way. And we didn't want it to be something that, I don't know, changed us like in a bad way we didn't want to become angry people or like angry at the world or you know harbor all these negative dark feelings because we'd lost our father so immediately we were like we need to have some therapy but of course because it was during the pandemic we weren't allowed to go anywhere so we um joined like this therapy app and started getting sessions just over facetime and that helped that helped a lot because I didn't realize at the time, but I was trying to be really strong for everyone around me. So my husband was really upset. He was very close to my dad and I didn't want to be upset and crying around him all the time. You know, my sister, she's my younger sister. And I was dealing with my father's will and, and the funeral and everything with my uncle. And my sister wasn't really involved in that side of things. And I didn't want to be upset every time I was talking to her either. So I was always trying to be that strong person. And it was only until I had my first therapy session. And I think the opening question was, so what's been happening with you? And I just literally broke down and I cried so much. And I felt like I'd, before then I was like, oh, I've cried all the tears I need to cry. You know, I'm done now. I'm kind of got over that bit. And then as soon as I started talking about it, outside of my family and everyone, I just couldn't stop crying. And I realized that I really wasn't done with that phase of it. And 
probably will never be like there's times where I'm absolutely fine and then there's other times where I'll be so sad like I did the first show since losing my dad just last week and it was the first time I'd done like my own headline show without him and I remember like before going into rehearsal and I was on the phone to my husband and I was just sobbing on the phone and he was like it's okay like you can feel this way it's fine and I was like I just want to be happy like rehearsing for my show and I, I feel like I can't be happy because he's not here and it's like I'm doing what I love and he's not here to watch it and it was really difficult because music is the thing that brings me the most joy and without him being there it was really hard but then at the same time reconnecting to music has been the thing that has helped me deal with it a lot because it was the thing that connected me to my dad so now it's it's something that makes me feel more in touch with him in a way I was just thinking about those firsts those first time of doing something you know without without your dad and mm. Just, yeah, I mean, how how understandably hard all that is. And um, it's lovely just to hear you talk about reconnecting with music. Mm. And that's something that's important, you know, to you both. Um, I was struck by what you said um, about the, your experience of, um, you know, going on the online app and having some therapy after your dad died. And I think this is it. I think this is a good point, actually, for people listening, because I think what you've just described there is what we know about having a conversation with someone who's outside of the experience, who doesn't know you, doesn't know your dad, and is essentially a stranger. Then there's no expectation on you. You don't have to to be the big sister you don't have to worry about your younger sister and how she's feeling you don't have to think shall I bring it up now or shall I ask this or shall I have this conversation or I'll remain strong and I'll you know because she mm. needs me right now or they need me right now um actually you don't have to protect that person at the other end of the phone or FaceTime mm. or in person if you're with a therapist or a counsellor you don't have to protect them at all the focus is simply on you and it's a complete safe space to be able to as you've described bring some of that stuff you hadn't even thought about yourself yeah and I think that definitely helped both me and my sister that was something that we we really did rely on to help get us through it and then while we were going through the therapy we were kind of therapizing each other in a way it was like we were getting on to FaceTime and we would be on FaceTime sometimes for four hours and we'd just be talking all day. And it would be, I think at first, my sister wouldn't really mention my dad a lot. Like we'd kind of talk about things around it, but she wouldn't really mention him. And I knew that, I don't know, from experiences or other people's stories that I'd heard, I knew that talking about the person can really help because I think the more you sort of deny that it hasn't happened or you get into a habit of not mentioning them, then you can bury a lot of emotions. And I've heard from other people who've lost people that sometimes it comes to a point where they never speak of the person. And it's almost like if anyone brings them up, they just shut the conversation down completely. And that's not really the best way to deal with it from my experience anyway. I don't think that would be a healthy way. I feel like there's a lot of joy in me talking about my father and and bringing things up about him and 
remembering him and dealing processing it in a really healthy way and realizing that he is gone but now this is how I live every day without him here and I think even for people that don't know my dad for example I just did Strictly Come Dancing in and my partner my dance partner Vito was with me every day we were training all the time and I spoke about my dad a lot with him and after that show was finished he said to me I feel like I know your father so much because you've spoken about him all the time I feel like I know Malcolm like I feel like I've met him almost and that made me really happy because I was like I love that you've got a real picture of him and a sense of his personality and because I would have loved to have introduced you to him but now I feel like in some way I have and I feel like I don't know it serves as a like you're doing a good service to that person to to keep their memory alive and to to keep them in your life even after they've gone that's so true and you know not everybody will need or want therapy or counseling after somebody's died and what we do know is just that storytelling having conversations with people who knew him or even as you're describing people who didn't know him where you get the opportunity to talk about him and actually my next question I was going to ask you what your dad's name was and you've just said it was Malcolm and I just wondered if you could tell me a bit about him wow what a character he was like the life and soul of every occasion he would light up a room my dad would come into the room and everyone would notice him either by what he was wearing just by his personality um he would always make an impression on people and anyone who met him always had like a real fond memory of him or he would have said something to them that stuck with them or just little things like he'd give he'd drop gems like in every conversation he'd have (laughs) he loved meeting people he loved experiences he traveled the world before um he had me and my sister and he was just just an amazing personality like there's no one that ever met my dad that would easily forget him like he he was just such a huge personality and full of laughter and was very inquisitive like if he met anybody he would ask them so many questions to find out about them and who they were and it's funny because since losing him I've seen so much in myself that is my father as well um and I feel like you notice that more after they're gone it's like there's so many things about my personality and my spirit that I know I've got from my dad and so yeah I guess I guess that was him and he he's uh it's funny because you still feel like their presence in certain times like when I meet up with my family for dinner and we all sit around the table there'll always be a story about my dad in that moment because at any family dinner he would take over the whole conversation he would steer everything he was like he was the one that would would shine in the room so I yeah I feel that we always remember him at moments like that something people talk about in bereavement and grief um, called continuing bonds Mm. so those continuing bonds we have with somebody even after they've died and I think uh, I think a a big part of that continuing bond is that realization or starting to recognize all the things that actually he gave you or that you've inherited you know them kind of parts Mm. of you that were parts of him is I would think part of that continuing bond isn't it and and also as you just described that he's always with you yeah and I I definitely feel that 
definitely feel that um through all my experiences I just feel like he is there and me and my sister we got rings made from one of my father's rings and we both wear them on our on our little finger and anytime I'm about to do something I'll just touch it subconsciously I'll do it now and I'm just like okay let's go daddy-o that's kind of what I say in my head and I just feel that's just a comforting thing that I feel that he's there or he's part of that experience once I've done that and it's kind of helped me get through it's weird it's like I feel like now I have it's like guardian that's constantly watching over me or is with me and anytime I feel like I can't get through something or I feel a bit anxious about something I'll just do that like I'll just hold get hold of this ring on my little finger and I'll just say like let's go daddy-o and then straight away I just feel a sense of calm a sense of relief you know a sense that he is there helping me through whatever that experience is I think that's a really important message isn't it you know just that kind of you can still feel supported by somebody and held and loved um, yeah you know even when they're not there you mentioned you mentioned before that um you and your dad had a shared um love of music and and I just wondered was that part of his work or was that just a passion for him no it was just a passion I mean my my dad was um a DIY guy he was doing painting and decorating and electrics and plumbing and all that stuff that was his job but he just loved music it was in our house every single day. Like they, my mum and dad chose to play music through headphones onto my mum's stomach when she was pregnant with me. And um, they always told me that at the age of two, I would sit in the back of the car and sing along to the radio. So before I was really even talking, I was singing. I was very musical from such an early age. And some of my weekends would be spent just sitting with my dad watching music television and watching music videos all weekend. <laughs> it's literally all we would do or we'd get back home on a Friday after school and we'd just play our favorite album put candles on in the house and just listen to the album just on repeat like while I was doing my homework or like while he was cooking dinner and while my mum was tidying the house we music was such a big focus and such a I guess the center of my family and what brought my mum and dad together as well so yeah I feel like that's why now when I'm singing and writing and performing, I feel I feel that connection to my dad because it was such a huge thing that that was a bond between me and him. Every five minutes, someone in the UK dies without the care and support they need. It's time for change. With your support, we can help more people get the care they urgently need. Visit mariecurie.org.uk forward slash daffodil to donate to Marie Curie's Great Daffodil Appeal today. I'm going to move on to some other questions in a second, but um, just before I do that, for people listening, and I, and I realise it's um, three years since your dad died, um, you've touched on this already, you've already spoke about it, I just wondered if there's anything else you could add um, to what's been helpful for you in your grief over the last three years what are some of the things that um you know have you not just found comforting but you know have supported you through it I think therapy was a big thing leaning on my family was another huge thing that got me through um talking about him helped me a lot um I remember I went back to work 10 days after he'd passed away 
and I was on the radio every day. And I think I even spoke about him the first day I was back. And I was just very honest. And I was like, you know, my father passed away sadly on this date. And, you know, it's been really tough. And I sort of just shared memories of him. And I found that talking about him a lot helped me deal with it. I don't know. It was it was like my own therapy for myself in a way that when I mentioned him or just mentioned his name or shared a memory that I just came to the realization that this was my life now. And I feel like if I didn't talk about him a lot or if I buried it, it would have been a lot harder for me to deal with. Um, I did other little things like I had videos and voice notes of him. And so for the first few weeks, I would play them and listen to them. Sometimes I'd be driving in my car and I'd just play a voice note from him and I would just listen to it as if he was just talking to me. That was a real comfort. And in fact, I say to everyone now that has parents, they're luckily still in their lives, I always say, film as much as you can with them. You know, get them to send voice notes, just film videos, just talking to them. Just like silly things like that, because when they're gone one day, those things will be so precious. Like I, I love things like that. I love looking at videos of my dad and on my wedding day and, you know, his speech on my wedding day and things like that. Those things really comforted me. And also this is really silly, but this might be something that could help people. There was um, an item of clothing that my dad had in his wardrobe and they were pilot trousers. So the ones that you sort of like jump into and they have like, I don't know, like the straps on. And um, they were like authentic, genuine pilot trousers. So they're like khaki green, zips all over them. And yeah, had the braces, that's it, that you'd put around. And um, he would never let me wear them. And I remember I'd always be like, dad, please, can I just borrow it for this party? Can I just wear it for this? And he'd be like, no, you're going to ruin them. Like, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't know what to do with myself if you ruin them because I got these at a special market at this place. And blah, blah. I was like, okay. And then after he passed away, we were going through all his clothes and I found them. And I remember sort of like chuckling to myself and to him sort of been going, see, dad, you never let me wear them. But now, now I've got the chance to. And I think I wore them for like a good week after we'd come out of lockdown and we were allowed to go out and I wore those trousers for like a week like nearly every day that I was going into the radio and everywhere I was going and it just I don't know it was just a weird thing that like connected me to my dad and made me feel like he was there and sort of like a ha-ha to him like you know I'm yeah. wearing them now you can't take them off me now dad <laughs> like in a humorous way um, it was just, yeah, it was really funny, but that was something that really connected me to him. And my sister also took, I think, a jacket of his and a hat of his. So we each had like items of clothing and we would like wear them and stuff. And that helped us as well. Yeah, so lovely. I think they're lovely things to do. Mm. And it was interesting there, you know, I think that kind of as technology shifts and the, and the world changes, you know, there was a time when people didn't have mobile phones. And so, mm. you know, they wouldn't have those videos or photographs or messages on their phones. You know, my dad died in 2017 and, you know, not only do I still have his number and the phone and, 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 yeah, his, I do. and, and, and his name, but also the text messages that we send mm. each other, you know, and that brings, I can bring comfort. I mean, I kind of don't look at them very often now, but occasionally I do. 
And I've got pieces of clothing, you know, from going to Spain in the 80s on holiday and there being particular sports brands or <laughs> T-shirts that my dad would wear and I've got them there, you know, yeah. that kind of sitting in my wardrobe there. Yeah, they're really, really lovely things. And I think it's important to kind of, I think, say that and say it out loud because some people will say, oh, maybe I shouldn't be keeping those things or maybe I shouldn't be wearing those things. And, um, you know, I think, my, you know, my message is, and as you've just described is do it. And if it brings you comfort and um, closeness and, um, you know, then, yeah, it's, it's important. For, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a slight change of questions for a second. So as you know, Marie Curie is an organisation. We support people who are living with a terminal illness and, you know, through death and dying and also um, bereavement and grief. And one of the things we do in our work is we will sort of encourage and gently support people to do some of those to do some of that planning ahead. So that might be some practical things like, you know, writing a will and getting some stuff sorted out and getting organized. But also it might involve, you know, for those who can have conversations about what they want for their funeral, what kind of care they want, where they want to be when they die. And um, just kind of thinking about that. Can I ask if you ever think about your own death and whether you've had some of them conversations with those around you? Yeah, it's interesting because I don't think anyone really wants to think about those things. And they always seem like really morbid and like, oh, what are you, what are you thinking about that for? Or like, you're really young. Why are you even thinking about that? But when you lose someone really suddenly or lose someone, you know, period, it's just straight away you just think, oh, my goodness, that we really are not here forever. We know that, but it never really hits you until you lose someone. And then you go, oh, no, we're really not like this this doesn't last forever then okay and I remember being so grateful that my dad was so organized like I said and had everything in one place and we didn't have to search through things it was all there it was relatively easy to deal with all of that side of things and I decided to write my own will and I'd never written one and I didn't really want to because I was just like oh I don't like the feeling of this so I don't even want to write down who I'm going to leave this stuff to or like, you know, it's just so odd. But then I think when it becomes more of a reality that we are going to all leave this planet at some point, you then look at it more practically. So I remember just sort of just going through the things and I was like, well, you know, none of that's even going to matter to me. Like, I'll be gone. So let's just look at this practically and logically. This is what I want to divide it between. And this is who I want to give this to and this to. And um, yeah, and I have had had conversations with my husband and with my sister and my mom and sort of said you know I'd like my funeral to be a really joyous occasion I'd love for everyone to wear bright colors I want you to play really uplifting music like all my favorite songs you know I want it to be a really happy time I don't want anyone to be sad and you know crying all day I really want everyone to feel what my personality and my spirit is like you know I'm I'm a really positive person I love to laugh, I love to smile, I like to bring joy to people. And so I've expressed that that's what I would like for everyone to do, like, you know, at my funeral. And But I don't think I would ever have had these conversations before my dad passed away. I mean, I never had those conversations before my dad died. And then as soon as he did, you know, it was like, okay, this is something that I really need to think about. So yes, I have had those conversations and I have I have thought about that. And um it almost makes you laugh as well when you think of 
the stresses that people have had in their lives. Like, there were so many things my dad would stress over. Like even our childhood home, there were, there were so many worries he had about that. And like, you know, the mortgage and things like that. And just so many money worries he had. And then as soon as he died, I was like, you were worrying about all this for what? You know, it's like, you're gone. You're not taking any of it with you. It's completely pointless. We've sold our childhood home. We'd rather have you than the home. You know, it's like all these things. And then I started to really just focus on or refocus on the things that were important and realize that half the stuff we're stressing about, we don't need to be stressing about. You do just see everything differently. And you think, actually, the things that are important are the connections I have with my loved ones, are the memories that I'm making, are the experiences we're having. Those are the things that I remember about my father. I don't remember any of the material things. I remember him being at my wedding. I remember him walking me down the aisle. I remember having dinners with him. I remember moments of him looking after me as a kid. And those are the things that, that are lasting. So even when it comes to writing a will or thinking of preparations for when you die, you might not want to think about it. But when you actually think about how you can value the moments that you have when you're here, planning those things is almost easier because you're like, well, none of that's going to matter. And actually, I want to make it easier for the people that are here when I'm gone, because it's going to be hard. There's going to be a lot they're going to have to deal with. And all the particulars and documents and banks, all those things they've got to deal with, you want to make it as easy as you can for them, because there's going to be a lot on their plate outside of all of that. So when you think of it in that sense, it's easier to be practical and it's easier to plan. Exactly. And that's our message as well and it might not be the easiest thing it might not be the most comfortable thing to no. do but actually it takes a couple of hours or it might take a couple of sessions with a solicitor it's done it's in an envelope it's put in a drawer um yeah. and they're not conversations you have to have all the time about your funeral wishes you know you, you can even get them written down i mean you know for people listening um you know can, kind of simple funeral wishes can be added to a will as well and I think that's just so true, what you were talking about there, about that kind of, you know, which many people will talk about when they've lost somebody so close to them and important and significant is um, just that completely change of perspective about what was important or what is important and what's kind of life about. And, you know, yeah. A couple of more questions. Um, is legacy something that's important to you? So how you'd like to be remembered? Yeah, do you know, it's it's interesting because after my dad passed away, me and my sister sat together and we were like, why are we not working together more as sisters, like as a family? What are we going to do for our father's legacy? Like, what do we want to do in his name? And we sat together and we started working together and decided to create a hair care brand, which we're now in the latter stages of. We've tried and tested all the products sourced all of the ingredients from Ghana where my mother's from where we traveled to with my dad and we've almost felt like creating a business together as a family is our legacy and in a way our father's legacy because we immediately were like we need to do something mm -hmm. like you know when we leave this this earth we need to have something that we can say okay we've left this behind or we've done this and you know and it's it's in our father's name and it's in our name and it's something that we can be proud of and something that can live on after we're gone. But we didn't ever think about that 
again before. Yeah. Like, why are we never working together? Why don't we have a business together? Why are we not putting our heads together and doing something as a family? And so that only really became important once our dad died. And sadly, you think, why does it take something like that to make you do things like this or to work with your loved ones or to become closer to your family? You know, for example, we started a WhatsApp group with all our family in after our dad died. We never had that group before. We would never talk as much as we do now. And now we share everything we're doing in that group. Every day, oh, this person's had a baby. Pictures of the baby in the group. Oh, Fleur's doing this this week. Pictures from that event. You know, we never had that connection before. And now we do. So, yeah, legacy has become really important now, actually, um, after dad died. Because he left such a legacy just in who he was. Just him as a person. It's like anyone that knew my dad, when you hear them talk about him, they're just like, oh, my gosh, Malcolm wow he said this to me and it really hit me or I had this conversation with him and I'll never forget when he told me this and it's just that was his legacy and I guess me and my sister are his legacy so we feel more of a sense of responsibility to do something you know with the chance that we've been given to be here because he gave us that chance and so yeah it's brought us a lot closer is there anything you might say to someone listening who's grieving at the minute? I would say you're not alone in this. I remember feeling like no one's going to understand me. You know, no one understands the relationship I've had with my father, so they don't get it. And almost feeling like I was really alone. But when I reached out to other people and even listened to other people's experiences when they'd lost someone... I felt so uplifted and that sounds weird to say, but I felt like I belonged to this secret club that I didn't even know existed of people who lost loved ones. And the amount of people that reached out to me and messaged me and spoke to me. And even now when I meet someone who's lost a parent, even talking to you right now, Jason, you're telling me that you lost your father. It's like straight away, you just feel this bond with someone. It's something you can't explain. But you're like, I get it. I get it. And that is such a comfort. And, you know, you won't be the last person to experience this. Everyone's going to experience this at some point. This is life. This is what we all have to go through. And it may feel like you can't even put one foot in front of the other right now. You might feel like there's no way I can even go through each day without this person. How can I even live without this person? But you do, you do live without that person. You do put one foot in front of the other and you do have a time where you can talk about them and smile. It's not going to be sad all the time because I was worried about that. I felt like I'm never going to be able to talk about my dad without crying or I'm never going to be able to share a memory about him without feeling really sad. And and now, no, there's many times where I I can talk about my dad and I laugh about the stuff he's done. and, And it brings me so much joy to to share his memory with other people and even with my family and I just laugh about him and um, even in a cheeky way like as a child things you can say about your parent and they can't pull you up on it because they're not here (laughs) I feel like he's like listening and it's almost like I can have this like shared humor with my dad even though he's not here that saying the things that I know would trigger him or get him really angry and you know he can't answer back now and little things like that Um, the banter 
yeah the banter like it will get easier it will get easier it may feel horrible now but there will come a day where you can smile about that person and there are so many other people in your position and I think it does help to to share those experiences with others who've been through a similar thing because you really do feel like oh okay I'm, I'm not the only person and yeah this world is is big and there are a lot of people that have been through this and so many more that will go through this and I think when you realize that it does help you it does help you get through it my last question how has it been for you having these conversations today on the podcast yeah it's been a um really interesting because you never realize what emotions are going to stir up in you mm. when you talk about this today I would say having this conversation has been a relatively good conversation because I haven't got too upset sometimes I could talk about it and get very very down and very upset um there were even moments talking to you where I could really feel like the, the ball in my throat and I could my, my eyes were tearing up and it's just a reminder that that person was just so special to you. Like my dad was so special to me that it would, you know, it would be weird if I didn't have some sort of emotional reaction when talking about him or, you know, feel that ball, you know, in my throat or to even have a, an emotional reaction. It's going to be, that's normal. And I hope that I always do because, you know, I feel like, that it just emphasizes how important he was to me you know in my life and how much I really do value him even after he's gone and I feel like it's a healthy conversation to have and I'm happy that other people will be able to listen to this because listening to other people's stories after I lost my dad really helped me a lot so I know that this conversation between us today will help so many other people and so I'm glad to be a comfort to others well, Fleur East, thank you for joining me on the Marie Curie couch. Thank you for sharing some of Malcolm's story and yours and your family's. And it's been lovely to meet you. Thank you so much. It's been such a lovely conversation. And your voice is so soothing, by the way. <laughs> your voice is like a hug. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's nice. It is really, really nice. So thank you. So that's all for this episode of On the Marie Curie Couch. We hope it's got you thinking about matters of life and death and perhaps starting those conversations with your own friends and family. Marie Curie's here to help. From planning ahead to coping with bereavement, you can talk through any concerns you have around the end of life with our support line team, which also includes specially trained nurses. Call us on 0800 090-2309 or search Marie Curie online. This podcast is produced and edited by Marie Curie with support from Ultimate Sound and Vision. The music featured is Time Lapse by Panoceanic. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do like and subscribe. Thanks for listening and until next time, goodbye.